0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. TechMan Podcast 383: Paying to Spy on Teenagers, a Failed Product. Hmm. And the DMC 12. That's the Delorean. Yeah, baby. And as I said, it is Tech Fan Podcast 383. I'm Tim Robertson, and there is David Cohen. Hello, David. Hello. We really haven't spoken much since the last episode, which we were supposed to record two days ago, but I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, was too much work. Yeah. The
1: polar yeah. vortex.
0: <clears throat> it was uh, the real deal. It,
1: it, it was, yeah.
0: It was colder here. Um, or at least parts of here than the average in Antarctica, <laughs> which, when you think about, is quite astonishing. Yeah. Um, there were two days, Monday and Wednesday, that I never left the house. It was that cold. Um, I did the really hot water throwing it up in the air outside for coal. Yeah. And that was kind of neat. Of course, it turned to. A snow and, and mist. Yeah. And it froze instantly in the air. It was it almost looked like a cloud. Like I threw a cloud up in the air. Uh, I've seen video, but seeing seeing it in person is quite different.
1: Have you had the thing where you open your front door, you get fog in the house?
0: No, didn't no. get that. Mm-mm. But it was a it's a different kind of cold. You know, I living in the Midwest. We get cold weather. <laughs> yeah. um, some people listening to this have never experienced cold weather that I have. Just like I have, have not experienced some heat that they have. But, well, that's not true I have, actually. Just not here in Michigan. But this polar vortex, the, the, the air temperature, and more importantly, the wind chill, was pushing it at some points negative fifty degrees. I think the worst I saw was negative fifty-one degrees with the windchill Fahrenheit. Uh, by contrast, tomorrow we're supposed to be at fifty-one degrees. Mm. So that is, according to my human body, a one hundred degree shift in temperature.
1: Yeah, short in, tomorrow then.
0: Yeah, in, in a five-day period, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but. You know, you get used to it, I guess. Not really, but you move on. What can you do? It's just weather. Yeah. But what I found interesting is my iPhone did not like those super cold temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. <clears throat> I went outside <clears throat> on Tuesday. I actually went to work. And I went outside to scan a car and, and my camera and the phone itself. It was just like, no, <laughs> we're not doing this. Just whatever you have to do get me out of this condition because i'm totally not taking a picture of anything wow yeah that's uh that's cold
1: yeah something i wouldn't have thought of as being a problem but um i guess when it gets that cold
0: well it has to you know any kind of electronics has to have the right kind of uh environment i suppose yeah cars generally if the car would start they would run fine uh, we think of negative fifty one as you know, so cold, and but that's wind chill. Cars don't understand wind chill. Electronics don't get wind chill. It's just the temperature to them. Yeah. Um, so you know, if your car started, your gas wasn't freezing or anything like that, you were fine. Yeah. But phones, <laughs> yeah. phones don't like extreme heat or extreme cold. They just don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I did see. Um I did see a picture on the internet of somebody went out to their garage and they had a bottle of antifreeze and that was frozen. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, the problem is there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of trick photos going around. There's the ones with the frozen jeans all standing up in the yard, uh, yeah. and people going out with wet hair and letting it freeze, so they had kind of you know Edward Scissorhands style hairstyles and all of that. The problem is, is the way some of those pictures were presented kind of implied like an instant freezing thing like out of that movie day after tomorrow okay. uh, and and even at that temperature things still don't freeze instantly. There was one where somebody said oh here's what happened when you spill coffee in Chicago and there was like a solid frozen block of coffee spilling out of a cup on the floor.
0: Yeah that but doesn't They, work they
1: tried to imply that that had happened instantly where it, it doesn't and, and I sent you that picture of a guy doing the um, that movie of the guy doing the um, steam you know the boiling yep. water thing and because he threw it directly up in the air, and yep. he didn't spread it out on a curve. Basically, it just fell straight down his head and scalded him. Because yep. um, to you do, have to spread it, you have to get the surface area to allow the yes. small droplets to freeze. Because actually, a big block of of uh, a, you know a, a big droplet of uh, boiling water will not freeze instantly, even in that cold.
0: Correct. Yeah. Uh, and I was telling David before we started recording, I actually did that boiling water out into the air, turning it to snow instantly, it it works. Yeah. There's no, That's not a, a fake thing. That's a real thing. But you do, like David said, you got to get the surface thin, if you will. Yeah. you got to spread it out so it freezes yeah. instantly. But if it's a big clump of water, no, it's just going to hit the ground and all, all the, melt a little all, bit of snow for a minute.
1: Or the thrower's face, which is why. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was an idiot.
0: Just stupid. Speaking yeah. of stupid, um, <laughs> let's talk about Facebook for a minute here. Yeah. yeah, this has not been a good week for Facebook. Oh, who would <laughs> um, have thunk?
1: They have they have nearly as many bad weeks as the Trump presidency no, at the moment. <laughs> no, what,
0: what's 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 truly newsworthy for Facebook is if you can do a podcast. say like, Facebook had a great week. <laughs> That would be newsworthy. Facebook having a good week. But this was. I don't know. How do you rate this on the egregious meter compared to the one that we talked about last week where they were, you know, tracking kids?
1: Well, uh, this. I think this one just really underlines the fact that Facebook, a, as a, a, they have a corporate culture of absolutely no scruples whatsoever. Correct. In the fact that they will exploit any loophole that they can to do the sort of things they want to do, and then they will hold up their hands and go, oh, didn't mean we didn't meet when they get found out. But until yeah. that time, they will ruthlessly exploit. Uh, and this is what they did here. Um, it, in, in fact, it turned out not to be just Facebook. Google were doing the same thing and received the same punishment, um, which was they were using um, Apple's developer certificate program to... Um, breach the app store guidelines. So Apple's certificate developer program means is designed for companies who want to build their own apps for use by their own internal staff. And that is explicitly in the developer agreement what it's designed for. Basically, the way this works is if you're writing your own internal app, say you might have your own um, timesheet app or um, corporate database or something like that, and you want an app for that on your iPhones in your company, you can get an Enterprise Developer Certificate, which allows you to effectively run your own mini app store and download those products to just your corporate iPhones Uh, and what? Uh, facebook were doing was they'd use that program to create an app that they were they called facebook research which effectively created a vpn to facebook uh, and the app on the phone was basically monitoring everything you were doing and they were targeting this app at uh teenagers and they were saying we will pay you and it was it was a paltry amount of so twenty dollars a month or something like this to uh let you uh, to basically sh- let us see everything you are doing on your phone There's two levels of badness there. First of all is... um, Well, it's probably three. First of all is asking people to give up that sort of information anyway. Secondly is paying them what is a, a, a ridiculously small amount for that invasion of privacy. And then thirdly, it's abusing a... Uh, an, app, an Apple pro, well, well, abusing a minor but also abusing an Apple program, which is explicitly not designed for that purpose, to uh, to to do this research. I'm putting heavy air quotes around that. And then it turned out that Google was doing the same thing. That they also had a very similar um, product that had been kicked out in the App Store, and they were also using enterprise developer certificates. So when this came to light. Um, Apple just revoked all of their developer certificates. So for a period... There was,
0: there was a 24 hours or so that people were wondering, would Apple do anything? And that the story circulating was, is Facebook and possibly Google too big, too powerful, too popular for Apple to really smack down? Can Apple really do anything about this other than trying to save some face on PR? Well, it turned out Tim Cook ain't playing.
1: Yeah. Um, the one I was perhaps surprised, surprised, um, a little bit disappointed that they kind of rolled back on it relatively quickly, presumably after receiving assurances from the companies they wouldn't do this again. But nevertheless, what they did is they revoked all of their developer certificates, which meant that um, for a, a couple of two, three days this week, Facebook and Google were not able to... Distribute any app internally, correct. Including their developer builds, including their um, the work they were doing on the public-facing um, app. That obviously, you know, internal developers need to have a developer build. Basically, all of their uh, access to Apple development stopped yep. um, for a couple of days. Um, and and you know, I'd, I'd, well, I I well yes, yeah, as I say, I'd like to see. Um, worse consequences than just a couple of days disruption for them for this because this is this is a blatant i mean we're not talking about um, an independent developer here right who perhaps could have the defense of oh well i didn't understand and when i, I thought i'd submit it and see if it worked and so when it did work i thought that meant it was okay and all that sort of thing you know these are big corporations with big banks of lawyers and people who fully well understand the consequences of what they're doing and clearly somebody said you know, if you ever get found out about this, they're not going to be happy. And somebody else said, yeah, it doesn't matter. And and I think it just underscores what these companies really are. You know, they are aggressive corporate miners of private data and they don't care how they get it. Yep. You know, you're absolutely
0: right. And the fact that it was miners that they were targeting, I kind of expect to see some kind of a lawsuit come out of this. Yeah, because <clears throat> um, a teenager, at least here in the U.S., and I'm pretty sure it's the same in uh, the UK, um, aren't legally able to enter into this kind of an agreement with a company. Mm-hmm. They, they, it le- it's not legally binding. So for them to monitor them like this, number one, super creepy. Yep. Uh, number two, completely unethical. And number three, I do have to wonder how much of this Apple knew beforehand, and they only took action because it came to public light. What do you? Uh,
1: you you, Well, uh, it's 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 difficult to speculate. I can't can't imagine Apple going along with this at a senior level. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first the the uh, Tim Cook level of the board knew about this because I think they would shut it down straight away I don't think they ever would have allowed it to go on whether there were people further down the management chain at Apple who kind of thought it might be going on but didn't, but weren't really sure um, I don't know I mean how this was TechCrunch who exposed it um, yeah. I don't know how it came to light
0: um, um, there's a lot of different stories uh, I, I'm not sure how it came to light either Yeah, and that's, that's kind of a mystery to me I would like to know how it came
1: to light Yeah, because this has been going on since 2016.
0: Right. Yeah. So three years, this has been going on. I can't believe someone at Apple didn't know that this was happening. Um, And if someone at Apple, obviously a junior person, did know, were they trying to report it? Were they trying to get a hold of someone above them saying, hey, they're doing this and uh, a blind eye was turned? Or were Apple completely in the dark? I, I kind of hope it was the latter. I, I kind of hope that Apple was in the dark and that they did take swift retribution once it came to their attention. But you know, I, it doesn't change what Google and Facebook were doing was wrong, and there has to be more consequences than just a brief disruption in their operations.
1: Yeah, uh, I there, mean, there there needs to be. Yeah, we were uh, in my company. We run a very similar app to this called. Um what's it called now it's from checkpoint uh i forget but anyway it's a similar sort of thing uh, and the idea is is that it's, it's intended to make sure because our phones are corporate phones they're given to us by the company it's it allows us to check to make sure that there are no um unauthorized apps running on the running on the devices. either something people have tried to sideload or alternatives Sorry. Uh, that's okay um uh, or alternatively apps that, uh, that people may have um, downloaded that are, that are ultimately flagged, flagged to be malicious. Uh, and, and it's the same sort of thing. When you install the app, you have to install a certificate that gives it rights to do things that are more, um, that, that basically are, are far, gives you much more access to the phone than you would normally get to an app. So it basically allows the, allows this checkpoint app to scan the um, other apps on the phone and report back to a to a server. Um,
0: and that's critical because let's face it, businesses run via cell phones nowadays. They just are. Yeah. And you have to be able to protect your intellectual property if you've got salesmen or whomever out there and their phone goes missing. You be you should, number one, you should be able to sandbox that information, and if the phone is missing, you should be able to delete it remotely. Yeah, uh, That's been around for a long time. We did that for the Chicago Bulls when I was at Mac Specialist. Mm. Um, but beyond that, you should be able to scan their phones to make sure that there's not malicious software that's stealing information that's on the phone. And if there is, you should be able to delete that stuff remotely yeah. or, again, lock down the phone. And But you you have to have low-level access to the phone to be able to yeah. do that.
1: And and of course, you know, when this first came to light, Facebook claimed that this was completely in line with Apple's policy, yeah, and that they course. completely described it with that Apple's policy, despite the fact that it blatantly wasn't. Right. Um, you know, and and again, and and then and then of course, when this comes out, they say, "Oh, we'll we'll stop doing this." Um, you know, we we didn't realize this was a problem and all that. It's just such bull.
0: Yep. Well, Facebook does nothing as well as uh, lying. Yeah. I mean they are it, it's it's almost constant at this point I you know I kept wanting to give them the benefit of the doubt. I use Facebook, I use it a lot. I like Facebook, but not I don't like Facebook itself. I like the the connections that I have with other people on yeah. Facebook and it's important to me, so I'm of two minds I, I'd love to stop using it, but everybody I know uses it, including yeah. family and friends. so you're stuck. Well, yeah. what do I do? Do I continue to use it even though I know Facebook? Is and more and more they're looking like a very evil company. Yeah, um, I don't trust Mark Zuckerberg at all. I think he's scum. Yeah,
1: and I don't say I, that lately No, I, I think he. I think he's he's he tries very hard deliberately to be two faced, which is to put out a, a thing of saying we, we're not doing anything wrong and we're not trying to do anything wrong and we're trying to comply with everything when in fact he runs a company that explicitly does that and you know what I don't want to give Google too much of a pass here I've always in the past I've often said said about Google well at least with Google you kind of know what you're getting into um, but really you know Google is is pretty much as bad in this respect here and uh, yep. as somebody who while I don't use Facebook I do, do use use a lot of Google services and um, as time goes on, I'm becoming less comfortable about that. Let's put it that way.
0: So what's the solution here, David? Do you think governments need to start regulating these companies in the, the social and the, the information age? And if well, so, which country? And then whose laws are we adapting and adopting? Yeah. Is it going to be the, the, the Chinese type of you can't have these kind of search results? Is it going to be, hey, you, you know, we're going to have government oversight. Again, which government? Is it going to be a coalition of governments setting up an agency? I mean, there's a lot of questions here. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just yeah. not smart enough to figure it out. But.
1: Well, I, I, yeah, I think the reality is that most of these companies are based in the U.S. I don't see the U.S. government doing much to regulate these because typically you... Well, oh,
0: had- not the current regime and not even the last regime. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Obama administration... Uh, they're the ones that try to uh, put a lot of protections in for companies at the expense of privacy for yeah. the individual
1: and look at what, look at what's going on even even mm. if even if it's regulated you look at yeah. what's going on with the fcc at the moment the fcc is is basically is another political catfight organization and whoever's whoever's got the uh political leadership on that just basically enacts the policy of 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 the government so that's why we currently have a republican uh, led fcc who is flying in the face of all sorts of advice and um evidence to do whatever he ideologically wants to do the guy who runs that thing so Mm -hmm. regulation in the u.s is not the answer um I think the problem is there are, there are quite a lot of moves now here in the UK to try and start um, imposing laws on the activities of these companies. There was, um, there's a lot of concern about what's going on with Instagram at the moment because there's a lot of people who are basically using Instagram to promote pictures of self-harm and teen suicide and everything, and there's been some high-profile... Um, things in the media where teens have have killed themselves, and it 's felt that Instagram has been a party to that in terms of encouraging them in their depression and thinking that suicide might be a way out and Our government is talking about legislation against that, but the problem is is legislation in one company in one country for a global organization can often be ineffective uh, and of course we 're doing ourselves out out of a, a problem here out of the problem here because the eu as an organization actually because it's so large, can affect laws that that can have real bite and real fines and yeah, sort Brexit of things we're gonna implement. But of course we're leaving that club. So um we're not gonna be involved in those things. So um I think I think an organisation like the EU has a role to play here. But the problem is, is that it's, it's a game of cat and mouse. You've got, to, you've got to catch the companies doing it and you've got to be able to impose the fines and make them stick. Uh, and the standard operating procedure for these companies is to deny, 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 go to court, spend years fighting it. When they get fined, then fight the fine, try and get the fine re- reduced. Um, and um, it's a long-term process. And unfortunately, uh, the companies of Silicon Valley are used to doing things very, very quickly. So they're constantly find, trying to find the edge. I, I yep. Ultimately, the only thing that's going to um, curb these companies is if their customers, the people who use these services, say this isn't any good anymore. And unfortunately, at the moment, people aren't doing that.
0: And that's the the flip side of it is, let's say they do go to war with Instagram, which is Facebook, yes? Yeah. Um. They don't comply. So... Your government says, okay, fine. So you effectively ban that service in your country. It's turned off. Who wins that, the government or all the outraged users who want Instagram?
1: Well, uh, all of these things ultimately bring to the public eye the the idea that, that Instagram or Facebook, whatever, is not what it seems, and that is and that actually using it is not in your interest. Um, yeah, but then
0: you've that, got the – that that's the – I agree with you, but here's the problem with that argument, David. You're going to have the people say this is just yet another example of government oversight into our private lives. It should be up to us whether we can use this photo-sharing app. This is – this well, isn't right. This yeah, is well, totalitarianism.
1: Ultimately, when you live in a democracy, mm. if you want to change those policies, you have to go out and vote against them. Um, and it takes a long time. But, you know, the problem with that argument is that uh, you could extend it as far as you want. You could turn around and say, oh, the government's stopping me from shooting my neighbour when, when he parks his car just over the edge of my driveway. That is just government overreach stopping my right to go and deal no, with the government. No, that's going to one extreme. Problem. But you no, could no, say, well, why is there a speed limit? The problem with an extreme, when you say, oh, it's just one extreme, actually the, the underlying principle is the same, which is you elect a government and you vote for a government to enact laws that benefit the common good of all society and some people will agree with those laws and some people will not but ultimately that's how democracy is meant to work
0: yep, is, that, agree.
1: is that people you, the government will decide you know what this thing the balance of probabilities is it's more harmful than it's not you know i mean here's a here's a good middle ground example the banning of smoking in public places yep. yeah the banning of pu- smoking inside public places People who smoke have, you know, a lot of them didn't like that. A lot of them said, well, you know, here's the government interfering in our, my liberty and my right to smoke. And whatnot. But the problem is those actions were actually having a detrimental effect on society at a whole because lots of people who didn't smoke were having to breathe that secondhand smoke. And so governments have ultimately come down on the thing of saying we're not going to allow that activity anymore. Um, right. and, and you know what? Society benefits, and over time, the outrage and the annoyance fades away, and then people forget what they were so angry about in the first place. True, you know.
0: Well, I, I think something needs to happen with, and I don't mean just this one scenario, but I do think that this one scenario is um, part of an epidemic. Yeah, and something's going to have to change. And I think before governments step in and. and lay the smack down that these companies are going to have to start cleaning up their act and self-regulating themselves. It's going to take strong leaders who value not just what wall street wants, but what the public at large uh, demands. Yeah. Um, I think Apple is in that kind of a situation. I think they do have a strong leader in that in some regards in that, not in product development, of course, (laughs) that, understands that there's more to life than just making wall street happy yeah um yeah. i don't think facebook cares about the general public at all i don't think google does at all uh they only care about winning making the next buck and they will do anything and everything in their power to get to get there if that means completely screwing over the their own users They'll do it in a heartbeat. They yeah. don't care.
1: And, and the problem, of course, when we're talking about government is that actually there's a tension there because parts of the government in the um, security forces actually want access to this information. They they actually want – they like the fact it's being captured because they want to be able to use it exactly. to keep an eye on the citizens.
0: Yep. So anyways, let's get into uh, something a little bit more cheery, which is how much
1: of the Internet is fake, David? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Here's the other side of the of, of the same coin. I I spotted this um this article this week and it and it, it kind of shocked me really because I'd never really thought about it, but it turns out that much in the same way that they used to say that um I don't I mean, is your view that spam is not anywhere near as much a problem as it used to be? It used to be we oh, were I, all I getting. Agree. Hot, Yeah, but now spam, it's not like it's a solved problem. It's just something you don't really see because the blockers and everything are so good. But it turns out that...
0: Well, it depends on how you say spam. If by spam you mean email, uh, I don't think it's that big of a problem anymore. I think it's still a problem. I just don't think it's as big as it was even just four or five years ago. Um, But we're getting other kinds of spam now.
1: This, well, this is this is it. But the, the reason I mentioned spam is that I saw statistics back in the day that said something like 80% of all the email traffic on the internet was
0: spam. It was spam, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and it turns out that up to 60% of all the traffic on the internet is effectively fake. And by fake, we mean this is fake. Uh, this is bots and fake websites that are directing traffic to fake websites to try and basically just bump up the number of clicks that uh, adverts get uh, and try and suggest that advertisers are receiving more traffic than they actually are. Uh, So here's how you do this. There's like a a self-propelling cycle here.
0: Right. So here's how you do it, David. You're an ad agency, and your whole job is to um, sell ads to, let's say, company A. And... You tell company A, we'll, we'll take your video, we're going to place it on these top 50 websites, and you're going to start seeing traffic. Well, you're company A, and you're thinking, well, that sounds pretty good. So you go ahead, you sign the contract, and all of a sudden, you start to see more click-throughs coming to your website. <clears throat> and DNS entries look like it's coming from the New York Times or CNN or BBC or wherever, The Verge. Well, it's working. Look at, we're getting more traffic. Of course, they're not seeing any more people buying products, but they are seeing more traffic. And if you're seeing more traffic, eventually that's going to turn into more money being spent. Well, it's all fake. And how is it fake, David? How are they faking this?
1: So basically what they'll do is they will create websites and bots that will go to these ads and pretend to click through and pretend to watch them uh and then um that will record as a metric
0: well it's more than that too it's that they were these ad agencies are actually putting the ads on fake websites yeah i.e it looks like it's being played they're not actually placing them on these high profile websites they're they're The ads never show up there. Mm. They're on a fake website, which could just be an app running on a phone. Uh, It could be, uh, you know, a dumb machine that's hosting a a one-page website that's spoofing its IP address. So when these robots, if you will, these programs are clicking the ad, it looks like it's actually coming from, you know, The Verge or CNN or, again, wherever. So the recipient at the other end thinks, "Well, I just got another click through from this ad, which is running at The Verge, and my metrics show that that's the ad that this ad agency placed for us. Look at they're doing a great job."
1: Yeah, and these these bots are, are they they're basically trying to act like humans, so they're moving mice. They're faking yep. clicks they 're <clears throat> logging on to social networks they 're randomly browsing the traffic and collecting cookies so that um it it effectively creates like this whole like fake internet where all this fake traffic is going on, and then they metricize that and they give that to their ad publishers and say look here 's how well your ad's doing, and in fact there's no human in- has done any of the work yep um uh, 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 this article. Yeah, it is. This article suggests we're at an inversion now where we're just about approaching the point where more of this traffic is fake than it is real humans on the web.
0: And here's the thing. <clears throat> There's a reason that I don't run banner ads at MyMac.com that's part of a... I don't run them, period. But if I did, what I wouldn't do is run them through some kind of a aggregator, some kind of a service that... Comes to me and says, hey, we want to serve ads on your website and you're going to get, you know, this much money per click. Um, it's I don't do that for a reason. I also don't do, hey, go to this website. We don't do advertising on this show in that, hey, if you go to um, abc.com and type in the the coupon code TechFan, fan, yeah. you get 20% off. Um all of that devalues at the end of the day whoever it is paying for those ads um and, and it's too ripe rife for fraud. so if someone wants to advertise on mymac dot com or they want to advertise on the podcast, it's a set dollar amount, yeah, and it's the recipient that's I'm dealing with directly it's not an agency. Yeah. And I think that's where we're failing. That there is too many of these agencies and too many of these big brands like Amazon or these companies that are paying for these ads to build the traffic. If they went directly to the source where they wanted to advertise, they would see actual results. Yeah, well, but that, they're too yeah. lazy to do it.
1: No, the, they're the,
0: trying to save money.
1: Yeah, the ad when the ad agencies have set up these um, things that's it's all completely automated basically mm-hmm. if you had a banner ad on mymac.com is that um advertisers would be micro bidding to get to get that ad ad delivered to you and whoever would be the, the winner of those micro bids will get that banner served almost in like in real time to your site so it changes from time to time basing on uh, these algorithms they run based on who's what sorts of traffic people are looking for, and what the uh, ad agency thinks it can sell the ads for. But it's all completely automated. It doesn't involve anybody, which is how you end up with these situations where ads get served that have malware in them. Mm -hmm. You can go to a perfectly legitimate site, and if the ad ad agency they use to do all their um, website ads is not completely legit or perhaps hasn't done its homework properly, they can end up serving you malware. And, And it happens all the time. Um, and and the problem is it's completely automated. There's no humans involved in the process.
0: Yeah. So who do you blame?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I ultimately I blame the ad companies. To be honest, I th- I think uh, I I have quite I don't have a lot of time for people who are in marketing because I think they very, they so often are obsessed by the stats that they lose sight of what their job actually is. Um. And I'd,
0: say, I'd say that's true for some marketing places, but the best of the best. Are hands-on. Those people really know their stuff.
1: But but the problem is is that there's nobody. There's very few people on the internet building um, ad services that are best of the best. It's all automated. And because it's automated, just like the the thing with Apple and Facebook, it's just being played by people who are better at it than the companies running the ads. It's just, yeah. just this whole thing about the fake, the fake web is all about people saying, why well, can use technology to exploit the, uh, the loopholes in the system to make money? And rather than fix the system, everyone just kind of goes, oh, well, that's kind of the way it is and just, just puts up with it. And, of course, the value of web ads in terms of what you pay now has fallen through the floor because of this automation, which means the whole thing is basically a, a big pile of garbage. That's a waste of time.
0: I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. I know what it is now. Um, This is the name of a company, folks. So, I guess explicit warning. There's a account out there that is... they're, They're essentially a marketing company. They sell ads. And you follow them on social media. And now they're getting busted for... Stealing comedians' jokes. Mm -hmm. That's why you go to their website or their social media or whatever, and you, ha, 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 it's a good laugh, and it's also an ad. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Fuck Jerry. And they are getting blown up right now. All these heavy-duty comedians and actors and stuff are coming out saying, hey, these people are thieves. Uh, They're stealing our content. And they're using our content to sell ads. We're not getting paid a dime for this. These are a bunch of thieves. And it's become such a big movement that this Fuck Jerry company is, I guess, in a lot of trouble. They're losing losing followers left and right. And advertisers are starting to pull out. So that's the flip side of it. You, You get caught doing some of this shady stuff, there can be consequences. But it takes actual human involvement. For, yeah. To to enact these changes,
1: I, I've I've not heard of this story before, but I'm looking mm-hmm. at. I can't believe this. This guy is huge. Yep. Yeah, he, he runs a a very popular Instagram account, and and he's been doing this for years. And now he says, "Oh, I've made in the past few years, I've made concerted, proactive efforts to properly credit creators for their work." Yep. Right
0: he's but lying
1: he's lying yeah we have yeah. also updated our policy to make sure we're responsive crapers when they reach us about our post the whole point of his account was to steal jokes off people and yeah. now he's going well I've been working to try and make sure that we don't that people get properly credited and all of that. He uh, credit for anything.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Pay 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 for the content.
1: Yeah, and now he's saying well from now on we will not be doing this anymore. It's like we yeah, you've now built yourself up and now you're saying saying all oh, the the shady stuff I've been doing up to now I'm not going to do anymore. What a Right. Oh. Yeah.
0: Oh, so you're going to start paying the writers to write your jokes for you? Yeah, good luck yeah. with that. Um you know, I, I I like that the activism made changes here. Mm. Um, scum like this should just go away forever. Yeah. But but it, that's always going to be an issue, though. It's theft. And and at the end of the day, that's what this whole how much of the Internet thing is fake. It's theft. People are stealing money. This guy at Fuck Jerry is a thief. He's, he's stealing other people's content to make himself rich. Yeah. Um, it's... It's sad. Yeah. Speaking of sad, you just returned a product that you put a link into in the show notes. Yeah, what
1: I, was you same? know, what? I was sad that I had to return this product. Actually, I had I had high hopes. I really did. So uh, it look, looks
0: cool on the on screen. Yeah. Here.
1: So so this is this is a, a thing. It's called the ice. The company's is called iSkin, I S K N, and it's called the iSkin Slate. And this goes back to something I mentioned a, a few weeks ago that I was looking at different products for taking notes on paper uh, and yep. capturing those electronically so i've had the uh, i have the um, the moleskin pen that i talked about a few months ago that basically is one of these ones with a camera in the tip and it uses a special paper with the microdots pattern on to know where it is on the page and it captures your things that way but the problem with that of course is that you've got to have the special book And if you don't have the special book, you can't write anything down uh, and have it captured. So I've been looking for something where you can just do it on regular paper. Uh, and I spotted this, and I, you know, it's, it, it. I I was aware of this product, the uh, Ice Skin Slate, uh, for a couple of years. It was. It started as a Kickstarter, um, and it's always looked interesting. but It's always been a bit expensive. Anyway, over Christmas I got an email from them, and it said they were having a sale, um, and uh, the price came down to a price I was prepared to pay. And they also said they had a a thirty day money back guarantee. So I bought one. So the idea of the slate is that instead of having special paper, you basically, you put a a ring on your pen. You can use any pen you want. And you put this special ring on, and um, the slate has um, magnetic sensors in it. So as you move the pen... It senses where the, how the pen is moving based on the changes in the magnetic fields of the interaction between the, the board you're writing on uh, and what, and this, this mag- magnetic ring that's around the pen. So this kind of appealed to me because I thought, great, I don't need to use special paper, and also I can use any pen I want. That right. sounds even better, you know. Absolutely. So I got it, and, and, and apparently the first couple of iterations of this project Product were a little bit rough. So they, it wasn't, didn't always work properly. But certainly the version I got, which was the Slate 2, um, in my experience worked perfectly. Uh, whether I was, it's, it's, mo- it, it is more designed for people who are doing drawings and sketches rather than necessary Yeah, notes.
0: that's con- That's where they're marketing is going yeah, on their website. Yeah, and,
1: and definitely the software is very, it's, it's kind of, it's page-based. It doesn't do OCR. But the, the point is, as long as it was capturing them electronically for me and I could turn them out as a PDF, that was good enough for me. Uh, and, you know, I was really liking it. It worked really great. Um, the, the Slate itself was quite light and easy to use. Uh, and as I said, I like the fact that I, had, I could, um, that I could uh, use different types of pen. Um, so it was all good, except that when I started trying to capture the notes, um, their software is a little bit odd. They have <laughs> they have a, a they have a desktop software for the Mac and the PC, and they also have uh, iPhone software. And when you, the website is one of those annoying websites that's got lots of big flashy page transitions. It's you know really built up in HTML5, but is is actually quite thin on content and is quite hard to find find how to do things. Um, but anyway, I kind of went through it, and I, I finally got hold of the um, of the iOS app, and I also got the um, the desktop app. And the desktop app worked fine. Connect to the tablet either Bluetooth or a cable. Pull the pages you've written off. It has a memory, so it stores multiple pages. And that's exactly what I wanted. But the thing is, I didn't really want to be doing it on my on my laptop PC. I want to be doing it on my iPhone because then I've got now I've got the electronic copy there and then after I finish the meeting, whatever. So the problem is, whenever I um, transferred the stuff over Bluetooth via the iPhone, it came out looking like chicken scratches on the paper. Uh, it was like random random marks. Uh, and, I, you know, this happened a couple of times. I thought maybe there's something wrong with those pages, but then I would collect those pages on the PC, and they were perfectly fine. They were legible. So there was something wrong with the iOS app. Um, that basically means when it pulls the data over, it's not transferring it properly and so i wrote to them i said look what's going on um uh, and i was told you know all these standard troubleshooting steps reset your phone reset your slate reconnect it all that sort of thing i did all of that didn't make a difference and ultimately i then started looking at this the ios app has not been updated for a while um and and it became clear to me that effectively they're either defocusing that or they're going to drop it or they don't have enough developer resources but for me i i thought well as great as the hardware in this project is uh, the software is no good and the software is ultimately what i'm going to rely on in the future and if the software support goes away the thing's not going to be any good for me so i returned it and um they were very good about the return uh, it was absolutely no problem whatsoever it gave me my money straight back paid for it to be returned to them um you know, it was it was a great customer service experience, but it was just kind of sad for me that it didn't work properly.
0: Yeah, it's a bummer. I, you know, I'm, I never want to see a product fail. I'm always yeah. – I think we're both probably the same way. When you see something like this, you want it to work, not just yeah. for us, not for my own personal, although that is part of it, but in general because I like technology like this because it pushes us forward. Yeah. The, the, the industry as a whole gets better when stuff like this is out there. you know what else could we do? This is awesome, yeah. um, when they're dropping the ball on iOS support that's pretty stupid, and that that calls into question the uh, intelligence of the company
1: well either it's either intelligence or it's an ability to deliver because i think I think a lot of companies find it difficult to actually they, they underestimate the amount of resources required to keep a product going. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's not just about the hardware; it is the software as well. Um, right. So you got to
0: have software and hardware engineers. And, and you've and got if and fails, yeah. isn't there to pay for both.
1: Yeah, and and also as well, you know, you've got to recognize <laughs> if you're targeting iOS and Android; those are uh, uh, platforms that are updated regularly every year, and you yep. need to make sure you match those updates. So you've got to have a team working all the time, and it it it's uh, an I'm um, I'm only speculating here that this is the problem with iSkin. I don't know. Um, they didn't say to me one way or the other what the issue was. All they said was, well, in our view, it should be working right, and this is what you can do to try and fix it. And I tried those things, and they didn't work. So ultimately, I decided, unfortunately, I had to give the product back. Um, I have dealt with other companies. Uh, there's was, there was, there's some but there's, um, there's a group of guys who, who um, make a thing called the free right which is a basically, it's like a if you imagine a mechanical typewriter turned into an electronic device, this is what the free write is meant to be. It has a mechanical keyboard, it weighs a ton, um, it has an e ink display in it, and the idea is to try and make like um, the old mechanical typewriter but in an electronic form. Um, and recently they dropped their forums because they said they were getting too many uh, abusive posts on there right and and mm. one of the one of the writing groups that i subscribed to we had a long debate about this because the way they did it was they just made them disappear one day and everyone's going like what the hell and of course a lot of the while there were people in there who were trolls and there were people in there who were very angry at what they perceived to be shortcomings in the product and the company there was also a lot of legitimate criticism and suggestions for improvements and how might you do this and this that and the other and all of that was was swiped away as well when they stopped the forums and anyway then we got to stay from the company basically saying that they've been struggling for a long time with people who were being abusive and were um, you know wouldn't take no for an answer and and all of this sort of thing and ultimately decided that until they got a full time manager who could manage the forums they weren't going to be able to keep them up so they'd, they'd turn them off and, and i was just incredulous They're like hang on a minute this is a kickstarter based company whose whole ethos has always been about interacting with the community and yet they never hired right at the start somebody to manage the forums have they never been on the internet before
0: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know? yeah yeah you can't have unmanaged unmoderated forums yeah on in any anywhere yeah, Pretty stupid. yeah exactly and it's just basically because they decided that was somewhere they could cut some money corners but you you can't do that if you want to do things properly.
0: Well, let's move on. Uh, we do want to thank our sponsor, uh, yeah. MaxSales Hey, David, what would you do with? I don't know a ten year old iMac. Is it is that just junk, or could you actually put that to use somewhere in the house?
1: Uh, I think I think any computer you can do something with if you put your mind to it. Um, you probably want to want to do some upgrades and you know try and make it as fast as it could be. Um, but, you know, a 10-year-old computer nowadays. So we're looking at, what, 2008, 2009? That's well, a cool- let's
0: look at a 2009 inch iMac, built-in Wi-Fi. It's 3.06 gigahertz in speed. It's only a Core 2 Duo, so it's not this fast as compared to what we have nowadays. But, yeah, 8 gigs of memory, 500 gigabyte hard drive. Well, there is a lot. I, I think that, that you could do a lot with that machine. That, that's a powerful machine.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, you run the software that was creaming the crop back then when that machine was new, uh, and it will. Or still even be, a couple
0: of years after that, yeah, it will still be fine.
1: And it will be fine. Yeah, it'll do an awful lot of stuff.
0: One hundred and fifty nine dollars. Wow, that's what Mac Sales is selling that computer right now on their website. They actually have a uh, a two thousand eight twenty inch for one hundred nine bucks. Uh, you know, when we were at Mac last year, Brooke and I, uh, they have the garage sale thing and she mm-hmm. picked up a, a, a monitor an old, uh, Mac mini. Uh, I had a keyboard and a mouse already. Um, she picked up all these things and she uses that computer all the time. It's slower than this. Yeah. I'd, I'd almost rather spend 160 bucks and get her this 21 and a half inch iMac with a much better monitor. Um,
1: uh, and, and those machines, that they're, they're thicker, obviously, but they don't look yep. that dissimilar to what the current iMac does either. <laughs> no. You know, and it's and it's not they like, have they're, a built-in SuperDrive. Yeah, they're not the white Lexan ones. These are uh, no. aluminium and aluminum black and black. Yeah.
0: And they have the, I believe these have the SuperDrive as well. Yeah. Which means she could actually burn her own music CDs. And more importantly, she can actually listen to and, and rip CDs onto the computer itself, which is... She's asked to do. I don't know. I think this is a really good deal here.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, and it's from OWC. So, you know, they're not going to send you something that's DOA. And if they accidentally did, you know, they're going to take care of you. They're going to refund your money. So, you know, you had a good experience with iSkin, which is a horrible name, by the way. Um, (laughs) Just horrible. Um, Especially for... You take the little thing and put it on the pencil. That's mm-hmm. it's not good. Um, you can expect a good customer service experience with OWC. They're they're good people. You know, I know a lot of the people that are there. I worked there for a few years, um, and we do want to thank them for their sponsorship of TechFan. Make sure you go to MyMac.com dot com or techfanpodcast dot com. Click the link there. I'm putting a link right to their used iMac page. Uh, they've got them all the way down to eighty nine dollars, all the way up. Currently, to three thousand eight hundred and seventy-nine dollars. That's for uh, an iMac Pro, twenty-seven inch. So, uh,
1: so yeah, but iMac Pro. That's still um, that's still well over a thousand dollars cheaper than the, the one from Apple.
0: Yeah, uh, it's over two thousand dollars cheaper yeah. actually.
1: So that's a hell of a deal as well. One, the iMac Pro well, is a yeah. beast.
0: It, it, this one has one terabyte SSD, three point two gigahertz, eight core Intel Xeon W processor. It's got that Radium Pro Vega 56 graphic card, um, 128 gigabytes. It says memory up to, so I don't think that for that price you get the 128 gigs of RAM. Most people mm-hmm. don't need 128 gigs huh. of RAM, to be quite honest. I don't even know what my machine has here. What is? What do I got here? Um, I've got 16 gigs of RAM.
1: Yeah, I've got 16
0: and I never, gigs of RAM as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I never... I, I, can't tell you the last time I ran out of memory. I never have on this machine. I've never had an app going, Going, oh, you just ran out of memory. It doesn't yeah. happen. Um, let's jump over to our wiki trolling section, since we've kind of been uh, lax on it recently. I mean, we got to it last week, but this one um, is kind of a... Uh, oh, wait. No, we got uh, from Donnie Yankolo by the way. We got feedback. Okay. Yeah, he says he's not sure what his complete top ten list of TV shows, which we've talked about the last couple of uh, episodes. Um, he said, uh, but three of the shows that I think are there are Alias, which was the Jennifer Garner show. Yeah. I, yeah. I never got into Alias. It just, I don't know.
1: It it, it went off. I, the first two, three seasons were excellent. Then it kind of yeah. lost its way a bit. But you know what? It was, Alias was 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 again was one of these shows that was something new when they first came out for a start yeah. it had a female star um yeah. they gave no ground she was she was meant to be like a almost like a super spy they gave no ground for the fact that she was female in terms of what she had to do i mean she was just one of their best spies it didn't matter the fact that she was a girl which was quite quite you know for the time this was what uh 2006 2007 maybe yeah. Um, or perhaps earlier than that.
0: No, I think it was earlier than that. Yeah, 2002,
1: 2003, I'm thinking. Um, yeah, that was relatively groundbreaking. Uh, and the fact was they fully embraced the whole... I mean, it was like watching uh, an episode of james bond every week it really was good but it the the it, the downside was it, it got lost in its own mythology um and it did the whole bait switching you know one one season the guy uh, somebody would be a bad guy then there'd be a good guy then it'd be a bad guy it kind of disappeared up its own convoluted storytelling behind in the end but um it, it, the first couple of seasons were really good
0: and that's when jj abrams yeah. was running the show and yeah that's kind of where he got his start, really. Yeah. Uh, he also said the first season of 24, which I would agree with. Yeah. Jack Bauer, um, it really is kind of a despicable person. I mean, the stuff that he does is just, ugh. You know, well, torturing people. Well, and, he,
1: yeah, but in the first season, he wasn't really. The, the whole point was he wasn't really like that. He kind of became that. That's true. What he went through because of all these yeah. terrible days he was having.
0: <laughs> well, one day, you know, <laughs> at least the first season. Yeah. And then he said the original MacGyver. Yep. I, I, you know, I remember watching MacGyver back in the day. The only thing I really remember is that he would use his wits to build something to get out of a sticky situation. Yeah.
1: It was, it was like a one man, a team really.
0: Yeah. Only,
1: only he didn't shoot. I mean, well, the A team shot a lot, shot a lot of bullets, but didn't kill anybody. He didn't shoot anything. It was always like his scientific know-how and, um, you know but effectively it was the same plot every week it was he would be spying something he would get in a difficult situation he would use what was on hand to overcome the bad guy every week Mm -hmm. you know so thank you very much
0: donnie we'd still like to hear um more from others what are your top tv shows are even if it's ones that david i or john nemo last week um donnie's picked this week even we've mentioned it before let us know uh, the show at com is the email address. Um, wiki trolling, David. This is a mm-hmm. good one, I think. Yeah. The DeLorean Motor Company, DMC. Now, when people think of DeLorean, two things usually pop up. Um, one, maybe a little bit unfairly, and the other one, just positive. Yeah. Unfairly is you think of a drug dealer, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the positive is of course back to the future. Yeah. Nobody would it, it, in 2019 nobody would care about a, a mid 80s early 80s gullwing car made out of stainless steel, which means if you scratch it it's scratched for freaking ever. Um nobody would care about this car. It was completely underpowered. Yeah. Um, it, it used parts that, quite honestly, weren't very good. Um, it was it was not a great automobile yeah, by was, any stretch it was of the imagination. A, it was
1: sold as a sports car, but it wasn't really a sports car. It no. Was a, it was
0: it a, looked like a sports car. It
1: was a lousy European saloon underbody yes. with a very mm-hmm. nice stainless steel top on it. Um, yeah. But,
0: know. of course, back to the future – Used it as the time machine. Doc Brown built a D- DMC twelve into the time machine, and yeah. it, it worldwide, we fell in love with that car simply because of those movies.
1: Yeah, it, 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 the the car became a movie star. Um, it did
0: absolutely. Yeah. When you yeah. see a you see a Delorean now, it's that someone's restored to make it look all original. We don't care. We <laughs> yeah. saw the one I saw. I don't. I don't think you were there that year. Uh, Is either the first or the second year for uh, Max Stock? Someone brought. Drove Yeah. A no, DeLorean there.
1: I, I was the second year because I I, yeah. I I was there. I, I yeah, they brought their. uh everybody kind of
0: looked at it and it was neat. But if he would have actually made it to look, no, wait, he did make it look like oh, the. Yeah. uh yeah,
1: yeah, he had. Yeah, yeah it was a, it was a reproduction of the of the time yeah. machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and funnily enough, so my my Back to the Future story is that the year the Back to the Future came out, um, eight was it eighty three? Uh, in, no, 84. no, I mean, yeah. Uh, 84 um my family and i were visiting uh los angeles that year and we went to um oh, oh was it los angeles or was it i'm pretty sure it was los it's either los angeles or florida I, I forget anyway we went to one of the studios and they had this big um poster there for this new movie coming back to the future and they had the delorean in front of it wow. so i got to sat in it uh, sit in it and i had absolutely no idea what it was i knew nothing about the movie because remember this is before the internet (laughs) right you know you only found out about a movie normally when your local paper ran a review of it the few days before it came out in the movie theater or maybe if you saw something on tv but at the time i was living in the uk and we didn't have a lot of movie adverts on tv so um i was probably even less aware of bats the future than people in the states were so i had no idea what it was at all similar thing happened to my brothers a, a few years later they were in New York I wasn't there at the time and they walked past his movie theatre and they had the guy uh, they had the guy uh, Peter Wellop who played Robocop in costume promoting the movie on Broadway <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so awesome. they got they got pictures with him they got to talk to him and they were going what's this about and he, and he was telling them the story and everything and they had no idea what it was <laughs> you know it was just some dorky guy in a costume so this was a similar sort of thing and yeah but even then I thought I'd, I'd kind of knew what the delorean was but it it was kind of it was more like oh look they've turned this car into some sort of weird time machine um and And that was kind of the point yeah and then you saw the movie and it's not just some movies have like a a MacGuffin, um like for instance like the the phone box in bill and ted and that sort of thing but it's not really it's part of the plot it's not part of the movie the point about the delorean with the special effects they use for the time sequence the fact that the car and and working the car and making the car travel through time is the linchpin of the actual movie it drives the entire plot along makes the car the star particularly with the fact that when it goes through time it leaves those um flame trails on the tarmac that was a piece of genius because it oh, made
0: because
1: it made what was uh, i think even back then we all kind of recognized it wasn't that great a sports car it made it seem really cool and fast and kind of high tech yeah, when it wasn't. to
0: get to get that car actually up to 88 miles an hour was a feat in and of itself in yeah. real life <laughs> um to me And we'll get back to the John DeLorean and the the story here in a second. But for me, back to the future, um, it wasn't the DeLorean that captured my attention, to be quite honest with you, David. Uh, It was uh, Marty was his dream thing was this black pickup truck. Yeah. Now, I know now that it's a it's a little Toyota pickup truck, a little two door pickup truck. I love that pickup truck in that movie. I was like, that pickup truck is badass. And I just sent you a picture on wire Uh that uh, in 89 I bought a little black pickup truck. Now mine was a little Ford Ranger, but it was black. Yeah. It had the chrome wheels on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought that pickup truck because I was influenced by that pickup truck. Marty really wanted in back to the future. Yeah. You know, I eventually wanted, I never did, but I wanted to put a roll bar thing with the KC lights on top, just like that pickup truck. Um, And that's, by the way, that's, that's me in that picture. Uh, I I I
1: know it's kind of small, I can feel the pride oh. radiating oh, off I the air. I just uh,
0: lost David. Um, I clicked the wrong button. Uh, now I got to go back and log into Wire. Sorry, David. Ah, oh, that was on me. See, I, I clicked the picture because I wanted to see if it made a bigger picture, and <laughs> <laughs> instead, I, I hung up on David. Let's see if he answers here.
1: Answer the phone, David.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Was that you? Yeah, no, that was me. I clicked the picture, and it brought up the picture, but then I went back on my web browser, but instead of just taking me back to this chat, it completely logged me out, and it went to an actual... I was watching a uh, a video earlier about John DeLorean and DMC. That's what gave me the idea to do the... uh
1: Right. Okay, <laughs> so I went well, back the to weird, that. The weird thing is, before I got up from bed this morning, I was dreaming that I was doing a podcast with you, and that Wire kept on disconnecting me, and I hadn't noticed, and I kept talking, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I make dreams come true, David. Um, yeah. So John DeLorean, he he was obviously the founder of uh, DMC. Um, yeah. Hence the name. He was actually a really big exec. I mean, big at General Motors. Uh, He was in line to become the head guy at GM. I mean, they were grooming him to be the CEO or the president, one of the two, I forget now. But the idea for him breaking out on his own actually happened while he was in front of a whole bunch of dealers presenting a new car and he's playing it up like uh, it's the greatest car we've ever made it's so much better than last year's and it really wasn't that you know it, yeah. it, they changed the bumpers a little bit but it's essentially the same car and he could see himself doing this for the next 50 years or whatever and he just couldn't do it so he wanted to break out on his own and he worked with um, a designer uh, from italy i'm drawing a blank on his name it's right there but i can't remember Um, who was very famous at the time. I think he did some work for Lamborghini or no uh, Ferrari and came up with this design and then had to find a place to build it. And he took advantage of desperation. He went to a place that had extremely high unemployment um, and set up a factory there. And that place was, Northern Ireland, yeah, yep, Yep, and the UK, and they were very, you know, the people that started working for him in that factory were extremely proud to work there. They really did think that they were making cars of the future. They bought into his dream, like you know. To this day, some of the interviews you see, these people still believe what they were doing was groundbreaking and was great for their community, and this was this was amazing. Um, although a lot of them do say, even back then, they kind of had their doubts about John DeLorean himself. He <laughs> seemed a little bit sketchy, but I mean, he opened the factory. He started building cars. You can't deny that Yep. people were getting a paycheck for a while. Um, his initial investment actually came from dealerships. Uh, he secured millions of dollars from different dealerships in North America. And that's the capital that he used to start the company. Uh, It wasn't enough, and that was his downfall, that everything cost more than he thought it was going to. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was looking for a big cash infusion into the company, and to get it, he kind of broke the law a little bit.
1: Well, he was eventually cleared of all charges.
0: Well, they have him on video. You can watch the videotape of him talking with the drug dealers, the drug smugglers. He was going to smuggle drugs uh, using DeLorean, the company. He was going to hide drugs in the cars. That was the plan. Now, he was he acquitted? But, yes, yeah. but...
1: It, well, that was a sting, though, wasn't it?
0: O.J. So, was acquitted, let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, uh, the, the problem with the stings is that, uh, you know, he was... He was desperate for money and they came to him and offered him money and then said, oh, well, it's going to involve the cocaine. Now, to be fair, he didn't kind of back out at that point. No. But, um, but, but uh, you know, he was able to defend himself on the basis that it was police entrapment. And they successively said that he was, um, you know, the problem with the entrapment is is the claim is that, while you know, the, the government enticed this person to commit a crime. That they had
0: no intention of committing. So they would until they would
1: have then. no intention of, of committing until it was offered to them. Right. So, um yeah, basically because they knew he was desperate for money that they were able to, to entice him in it. So the the problem is is uh the problem is is the negative publicity and the fact that he couldn't run his company during that time, um it kind of drove drove what was already teetering on the edge into bankruptcy. <laughs> the great quote here is, um, when asked after his acquittal if he planned to resume his career in the auto industry, DeLorean bitterly quipped, would you buy a used car from me? Yep. So, um, you know, yeah, that's, that's the problem. That was that really was the well, say it was the, the final nail in the coffin of DeLorean. The real problem with DeLorean was it wasn't that great a car.
0: But, <laughs> no, it wasn't. However, back to the future, if he was still selling cars when that movie came out
1: Oh yeah, he'd have cleaned up.
0: He'd have cleaned up. There's no question. Yeah. Um there And is it a- wasn't
1: I mean he was acquitted in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. Uh Better Future came out in nineteen eighty four. Right. Um, so you know, he would have uh he would have been able to capitalise on that. But having said that, perhaps this is where it all comes down. You know, possibilities, and maybes. Yes. Maybe the maybe the only reason because they used the DeLorean was because they were able to pick up a whole load of cheap ones because they'd gone bankrupt.
0: Mm, no, the because movie. they hadn't gone bankrupt. They filmed this in eighty three, part of eighty two and into eighty three. It didn't come out until yeah, eighty four.
1: They were they were they were well on the way to going under.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, um, you know. It, well, part of it also was my understanding is watching some documentaries on Back to the Future that uh, they could film easily in the car because of the golf wing doors. It, it yeah, allowed filmmaking. Yeah, that, it was.
1: It was so big yep. inside because John DeLorean was six foot four, and he he made sure it was designed to accommodate somebody of his size. Yeah, which meant I mean, you <laughs> you you if you watch Back to the Future when. Um, when marty sat in that car yeah
0: he looks like a child
1: i mean don't get me wrong i mean he's not a big guy anyway right but um he looks absolutely tiny because there is so much space there and that also meant they had space to put all that stuff on the dashboard exactly you know
0: so it was the perfect car for that movie now the story doesn't end there however uh in 95 uh liverport liverport liverpool pool born mechanic Stephen Wayne um, started a separate company using the DeLorean Motor Company name, and shortly thereafter acquired the remaining parts inventory and stylized the DMC logo trademark of DeLorean Motor Company. Um, it still doesn't stop there. That guy kind of went under. No. Yeah. Um, the current DeLorean Motor Company is located in Hubble near Houston, Texas, and has, not, has never been associated with the original company. But it supports uh, owners of DeLorean cars. DMC Texas, as they are known, has an additional three authorized franchise dealers in Orlando, Florida, Huntington Beach, California, and the one that I've actually turned around in their parking lot uh, two years ago at Maxstock, Crystal Lake, Illinois. It was right right down the street from our hotel. I don't know if you knew that. Um, nah. Yep, yep, I was there. I. I I did a double take and I think I actually took a picture like, what the hell DMC, this can't be DeLorean, but yeah. the logo was, I, I was like what the hell. And this was a, like a Saturday or Sunday. I think it was a Sunday morning. So they were close. I really wanted to go inside and find out what the hell was going on. Um, so this company in, uh, uh, in Texas bought all the inventory from this guy in Liverpool and had it shipped over to the United States. All of it. He bought everything. Yeah. He has so much inventory of parts, in fact, that he can actually build a whole bunch. I think it's up to 120 brand new DeLoreans. Right. And that's what he wants to do. But the government has prevented him from doing so. Um, They've agreed that specialized manufacturers like him that's not building they consider reproduction even though it's using oem parts and frame and everything um yeah. that he doesn't have to comply with current safety regulations because there's no freaking way that a delorean is going to conform to current safety it doesn't it's got a seat belt that's your safety yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know so he doesn't have to add airbags and all that stuff yeah um but it's basically they're waiting for a piece of paper by the government to be signed so they can start building and shipping products. And it hasn't happened in two and a half, three years now. Um, they I guess they were really close right before this last government shutdown. So we'll see what happens, mm-hmm. but you know, he sells parts to people who are restoring DeLoreans. Um, he's got not, here's the other part. He didn't just get the, uh, remaining inventory. He got all the diagrams, all the plans, everything. He he owns every bit of it. He can literally manufacture new parts based on the plans mm-hmm. that he has. And they have plans of creating new DeLoreans, replacing the crappy engine and the crappy suspension, but essentially it's still going to be a DeLorean. So the story of the DMC twelve, what we think about the back to the future car, um, is still very much alive, even though John DeLorean himself died when? Um,
1: 2005.
0: Yeah. So he's been gone for 14 years now. But his idea for this car lives on. And quite honestly, I have every reason to expect that you're going to see brand-new DeLoreans for sale eventually. The guy's already got, I think he got uh, 50 pre-orders for his cars. Yeah. Uh,
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll tell you what I'd like to see with this. I'd like to see effectively the same um, style design, but a a modern electric car.
0: I was going to say, you know what I would like to see is someone take basically a Prius, a hybrid, and build a DeLorean around that.
1: Yeah, or or even a A Tesla.
0: A Tesla would be pretty cool, too.
1: Tesla would be cool, because then it really would be fast.
0: But Um, I I, I said Prius simply because readily available parts – Yeah, easy to maintain, and you're not under that limitation of, you know, once you run out of juice, the car is sitting there until you can get it recharged.
1: Yeah. Funnily enough, the original DeLorean, (laughs) I'm reading here, the original DeLorean, the alternator, (laughs) was not able to provide enough current to uh, charge the battery and run all the electrics in the car at the same time. So if you had all the lights on, (laughs) and <laughs> you were driving around in it, the battery was steadily discharging till eventually it went flat and the car would stop. That's funny. So the original car was quite capable of running out of juice. <laughs> yes.
0: That's too funny. Well, you that's know, why, well, that's why Doc Brown put the Fusion put generator Mr., Mr. on it. Mr.
1: Fusion, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could have just put a new alternator in it from like an old Chevy pickup truck and it would have been fine, but no, you got to go with yeah. Mr. Fusion. <laughs> That's funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is funny. Yeah, well, as I say, it was, really wasn't a great car, but um, I love the, the design. Uh, s-
0: I, I do yeah, love I- the design of it. It is sleek and elegant looking. I think the stainless steel is um, <laughs> totally impractical. I mean, well, again, well, you scratch it. Says it. Here,
1: yeah, no, it says here if you scratch it, provided you. Treat it the pretty said the problem is a lot of people rub it with steel wool, and that makes it rusty because it embeds bits of iron into the stainless right. steel, but apparently, if you know what you're doing, you can just um buff it out kind of buff it out yeah, yeah. and it because because it's brushed stainless steel it's scratched already <laughs> so, I saw yeah
0: well that's you know. true uh, yeah. I saw someone um with a Delorean and they had actually painted it they painted oh. it red. And it looked like ass. It was yeah. so bad. You cannot paint a DeLorean.
1: I, well, I, I, one of the reasons is you can't actually... It's very difficult to paint stainless steel because paint won't stick to it. <laughs> that was why they ended up leaving it brushed is because they couldn't figure out how to paint it well, particularly back then. Um, but... Uh, I think nowadays if you did want to paint – if you did want to have a car with a painted look still retain the original look, you could get – have you seen those um, – sometimes you see like Audis and Ws with that. Um, it's kind of a flat paint on it, like yes. a gray. Yeah. yeah? I guess it would look all right with that.
0: Well, I just sent you a, a Google search for painted DeLoreans. The only one that even looks remotely oh okay God. is the black one. The black one yeah. looks okay. But oh my god, there's orange ones and blue ones and there's a gold yeah. one. That one's vomit inducing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's a green one. Ugh, good lord. That is yeah. not a car you paint. I don't care. You don't yeah, you don't the, paint you, yeah, a DeLorean.
1: The, the yellows are pretty horrible as well.
0: Uh, no, that's a Camaro. The
1: that's one the, the, I, yeah, the one I right down, yellow in the one down here.
0: Oh, did, yeah. I, it was, oh, oh, god! Yeah, yeah. that is bad. Um, yeah, that's just that's that's terrible. Oh, there's a pink one. Oh my god! Somebody, of somebody, someone, someone. Oh, that's that's for me. I
1: think so. Some uh, and the pun there is Back to the Future.
0: <laughs> Actually, yeah, and, but but then look at that's called <laughs> shitty car mods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh,
1: but I, I think I think the person who did that has confused this car with the car from the beginning of the pink panther
0: yeah maybe
1: i reckon they've bought it and they've thought oh it's the car for the pink panther it's got to be pink not realize it's a completely different car uh,
0: that's just terrible uh so on that that horrible uh view we're going to wrap up this episode of tech fan again we'd love to get feedback from you guys it's the show at techfanpodcast.com uh i've been tim he's been david we'll see you next week see you then